was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space, be that city. Hey there, welcome in another edition of Your Other Side of Texas. Jay, West Texas Leeson, raving on here from the studios where Buddy Holly became famous. Broadcasting in the Racer Car Wash Studios, voted Lubbock's Best Wash for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations around the Hub City for the best wash around, guaranteed. Racerwash.com, your thoughts. You can text him in, 806-745-5800 as we roll along. We are going to open it up today. Not only are we going to get into, we're taking a little Thursday break. There's going to be a lot of politics coming up tomorrow, Monday, and as we head into Tuesday night. So we're going to take a little break from all that, get you guys jazzed up about this weekend where you have the Red Raiders against Oklahoma University kickoffs Saturday night from Jones AT&T, 7 o'clock. But... Speaking of Texas Tech and OU, you also have on Sunday Oklahoma's Baker Mayfield. And, you know, at one time Texas Tech's Baker Mayfield and his Cleveland Browns against Texas Tech's Patrick Mahomes. And so, in that breath, we are going to have uh, Chris Level on. We're going to talk about OU, Texas Tech, and then we're going to have my friend. Uh, NBC Sports, Roto World, uh, heads up, Roto World there for NBC Sports. Great expert analysis, great talent evaluator. We're going to get into the ins and outs of the NFL and some analysis on Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes and who's going to last the longest in the league and what their staying power is. Thank you, Daniel, for what sounds like some NFL Films music in the background, or maybe the portion right before uh, you start seeing all the drugged-out elephants there on um, uh, Dumbo. Have you guys... Time out. Let's riff for just a second. As a dad of four young kids, nine, well, now um, 11, nine, nine and four about to turn five i've done the disney thing i've done the original disney thing can we talk for just a moment about how crazy the old disney movies are whenever you go back and watch them pinocchio how did that not give me nightmares like the kids have been raised on you got a friend in me like uh, the toy story stuff and the feel good narrative those old, like, you go back and you read Grimm's fairy tales. I don't know how we got there. Just hold on. We'll get in with level here in about uh, six, seven minutes from now. But you go back and you read Grimm's fairy tales and you understand why, you know, the Americans went back and modified those old 
Germanic and British fairy tales where like people ate each other and things didn't end well and like a little kid did something wrong and a crow comes and eats out his eyes like the original Hansel and Gretel like that's some serious stuff but you go back even now and you watch like the original Pinocchio with the the boys being hauled off to and by the way it's a great political analogy today but I'll refrain and kind of stick with where I'm going where they get hauled off to Pleasure Island and they all turn into jackasses and like the human trafficking involved there and all the subtle like today that would never be Disney would could never produce that movie today um, lured by cigars and the equivalent of Pinocchio Keystone beer and then Dumbo when the elephants on parade like I've never been stoned in my life but I could just imagine how hallucinogenic it would have been to go in and watch that. Like, watching those old movies now is kind of crazy town. And I call them old because, quite frankly, I think me and a large portion of this audience is old. The old Disney movies, I don't think kids could handle them today. Just like we wouldn't have been able to handle the original Grimm's, uh, <clears throat> Brother Grimm's fairy tales, whatever they're called really really explicit stuff um <clears throat> so that's just an observation from a dad um so last night halloween i don't know how your halloween went many places in texas it's wet uh the further north you get the colder it got and it was certainly cold last night the kids duked it out my two inflatable t-rexes and uh, we had zelda and king koopa the, the youngest is really absorbed right now in King Koopa. So uh, that's what we went as. And can I just say something as somebody who didn't drink a lot in college, so I don't have a wide understanding of alcohol on the whole. Like, I'm pretty standard, like, bourbon guy whenever, you know, I'm going to have a cocktail. Last night we were, we did like a little pregame in a house and then went out <clears throat> And we're going to get into the sports thing in just a moment. But we could do a little pregame. And I get there right after the show, race over. I grab a bite or two to eat, a couple of slices of pizza. And I look around, and there's some beer. And then there was like this um, grapefruit vodka. And so I'm thinking, okay, fine. I, you know rave on buddy rave on and so i grabbed the the grapefruit thing you know thinking like i've never had grapefruit vodka in my life but thought you know let's do it and so i thought that it was like a mixed drink of vodka like it was like a pre-mixed like like really watered down like almost like a fruit drink and poured poured a little bit of that into a solo cup and uh <clears throat> yeah it was stray vodka and <clears throat> it uh it didn't affect the evening it just uh you know had to had to walk straight there for about 15 minutes or so i don't know why i bring that up i feel like sometimes i tell like dad glory stories that was not a dad glory story moment that was a uh that was a learning experience so mind your grapefruit vodka my friends um it is not it is not watered down it is 
super concentrated. And, uh, you know, survived, pushed on, everything was fine. But, man, that initial was kind of like uh, kind of like the first time I drank two Coors Yellow Bellies in a row. Um, <clears throat> you know, about 10 minutes of, hmm, where am I? What's going on? And where am I? What's going on? We are going to get in with uh, Chris Level coming up here. Just giving you some J. West Texas knowledge. That grapefruit vodka, stay away. Just stay away. It's not for you. And then we're going to get in with Mahomes and Baker Mayfield with our friend Evan Silva. It's going to be a great show. You stick right where you are. We're going to take about a 90-second break here on your other side. Get back in with Chris Level. Speaking of Level, let me say this. I went to a career fair today at Tech with Mass Comms for a bit and uh, some super kids great candidates looking forward to uh, interviewing those guys if they're listening and lots of them said that they do listen to the show appreciate you listening real pleasure to be with you guys and will be a pleasure to be with Chris Level coming up stay right here on the other side of Texas for your update on the game to come our friend Chris Level Red Raiders Sports hope you go check out Red Raiders Sports I do you should as well uh Chris Level, how are you, friend? Coach Leeson, how are you, sir? I, I'll go with the coach thing. I got my <laughs> basketball tickets in the mail, and uh, Chris Level, it was. Uh, I felt like I felt like the jerk when he got the uh, phone book in the mail. Really, really jazzed about that. Hey, man, you should be excited. Um, you know, obviously, uh, exhibition game tonight at six thirty. I'm uh, as soon as the uh, Coach Kingsbury show is over, I will try to head over there quickly and uh, join that thing in progress and see what see what it looks like. But uh, yeah, this thing gets going next week uh, for real. So uh, they, they've the got fourth, two, right? two home games. Yeah, well, next Tuesday and Friday. They're yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're home games next Tuesday and Friday, and so against I think Incarnate Word and Mississippi Valley State. But uh, yeah, they they start counting for real. So Coach Beard will be uh, he'll have those guys ready and uh, a lot of new faces over there. Yeah, the phone book is here. The phone book is here. That's what it's going to be like. <laughs> uh, so, speaking of getting a connection, last week not a good connection against Iowa State. What did, what did this team learn from, uh, do you think, last week? Or what, well, and, you know, and what did you learn about this team last week? Yeah, what was frustrating is that, and, and I think uh, Cliff would tell you, is that you, know, you, you had a chance to, to win that one. And – you play really good defense, and 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 again, you know, not. I, I think there there was a couple of plays that maybe you needed to make, and some interesting calls that, that didn't go your way defensively. But you played you played good enough defense to win that game, and I think you played certainly good enough special teams to win that game. You score on special teams. You know, Dominic Panazzolo continues to to do his thing from a punting standpoint and pinning the the opposition down uh, and, and give them a long field. And then Clayton obviously made his one field goal attempt, but offensively you knew it was going to be a grind i mean this is uh this is an iowa state defense that i think some people want to give them credit other people kind of see the brand and and go they they can't be really that good but they've had success against oklahoma state against oklahoma against west virginia and now texas tech and that's that's pretty close to as good as it gets offensively in this league right now and and they're continuing to have similar results so uh, it was just a grind, and I think the offensive line did not play well. I think, uh, you know, and, and in turn, Alan Bowman did not play well. And he looked like a true freshman at times, and 
he was sped up and dealing with a lot of pressure in his face and on the run and good things are not going to happen when you can't run it as well as you want to and you're being pressured and we saw the result of that but man 31 31 with uh, about what six minutes left to go in the game and mm-hmm. you're thinking man you got a chance to get out of here with a win but it, it did not happen uh so let's move over to oklahoma uh this weekend finally a night game how long has it been since we had a night game at jones stadium uh, like a conference night game i don't remember well, you know, like a seven o'clock one. It's it's been a minute. Uh, you know, it, it's been a while, especially like one of this magnitude and where you're being kind of showcased here. Uh, the, the, this this ought to be fun Saturday night. But yeah, it's been a been a while, and obviously the the fans are, are frustrated with all the 11 a.m. kicks. But uh, you don't have one this weekend. Yeah, let's let's take a little sidetrack into quite a diversion, I would think, uh, for. Lincoln Riley, the head coach of Oklahoma, being a ton of money being offered by the Cleveland Browns for him to come coach there and to leave Oklahoma. You think that factors in his prep this week, sitting down with family and saying there's a ton of money if we go to Cleveland? Oh, but let's focus on Texas Tech. You know, I mean, I, 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 I – my opinion is I bet that he hadn't thought about it much because I don't think that's something he's going to do. That, that That's just strictly my take. I don't think he'll entertain that at all. If the Cowboys call, I think that's a bit different. Um, and, and I think from a money standpoint, I think that, you know, Oklahoma is one of those schools where they can say, okay, y'all, y- y'all are offering five or six mil a year. Well, we can do that too. You know I mean? I, I, I just don't know if I – because, you know, the NFL, we saw what Chip Kelly did. We saw what Nick Saban did. I mean, it just doesn't always work in the NFL. And he could coach at Oklahoma and, and be fairly secure and, and all that for the next 10 or 15 years. You know, if, if he plays his cards right and stays, keep, keeps that uh, ship on the straight and narrow, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. But, yeah, it's he's a hot commodity. There's no doubt about that. You know, I, I think you'll, you'd be surprised at how much these offensive-minded guys – um, you know, like Cliff and Lincoln and, and some of these, you know, they're, they're very intrigued by it because the, that, that is what is spilling into the NFL now. You know, I mean, Andy Reid is running so much of the stuff that they ran at Tech, mm-hmm. you know, and, and because the, the, the NFL is getting these quarterbacks that are running all this stuff in college and they want to put them in a position to, su- to succeed. So they're borrowing a lot of the concepts and all that. So a lot of these college coaches that are involved with some of this stuff are certainly on the radar of the NFL, and it's not going to go away. So you don't think it's any dist- – like, you get an offer from an NFL team, no big deal if you're Lincoln Riley. No big deal. I I, I mean, I, I think that it, it, in somewhere maybe there was a conversation. I Do I think it's a huge distraction? I, I would – again, that's my take. I don't think so because I don't know if he's really going to do, do that or entertain that. If it was the Cowboys, maybe that, you know, would be something a bit different. But But – you know, I mean, one team's got Baker Mayfield and the other one doesn't, so I don't know what he would be interested in doing. But uh, it certainly makes for an interesting uh, conversation, though, around the uh, kitchen table, though, if, if that's what was discussed uh, at the Riley household. Yeah, you know that if, if OU loses, people are going to point at the Cleveland Browns and the Hazlitts and in and, and that scenario. But speaking of Texas Tech, Oklahoma, uh, let's get into it. What, uh, what are you looking for? When is – at what point are you going to see – are you going to say to yourself watching the game on the sidelines there for Learfield that, hey, we're in a good position? Where will you feel like we're at ease and we may well win this game? 
ludicrous level. Well, if, if, if your offense plays much better than it did last week, I think you absolutely have to be able to run the ball this weekend. I think that the offensive line was challenged this week. I think that you have to do better there. And I think that, uh, you know, just offensively, that was not a great performance last week, whether that was your own fault or Iowa State's doing or a combination of both. It has to be better. So it goes without saying you have to be able to score in this game to have a chance to win it. Because Oklahoma, even if they play poorly, they're going to they're gonna get you at some point. And I think that, you know, if you can mix in some stops, if you can, if you can make some plays on defense, yeah, I think it should give you a, quite a bit of hope that you can, you can uh, win a game like this. But, you know, because the, the visions that we all have is that game for two years ago when you just – you had no answer for them defensively but I think this is a much different defense I think that a lot of people feel like this is a 35-28 game a 38-30 type game uh, which is far a far cry from one that was in the 60s and 50s mm-hmm. and Oklahoma drawing up I believe odds opening at 10 and a half points that's a that's a pretty good margin at Jones Stadium on a Saturday night well, and it's—I I will tell you—if you're—if you're following this closely, that's up to thirteen and a half or fourteen now. Yeah, I've not followed it closely, but thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, it's—I uh, mean, yeah, and, and you know, keep in mind the 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 like because the, these numbers are always—it's just a fun number to follow. Kind of what what do the folks in Vegas think? Mm-hmm. But you, you know, prior to Kansas, it was at twenty-one and a half, and it it went down to seventeen by the time kickoff started, and you won that game by thirty plus. You also went to Stillwater, and I think they were favored by, I think, 14 or 14 and a half, and you won that game going away. So it's just you, you never know. It, it, it's, it's a good indicator, but there's a lot of times when it's not. Yeah. Hey, look, we do a show about politics, and I trust uh, Vegas's odds better than um, – more than I do uh, a lot of pollsters. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Well – uh, what else? What else do What else do you have keys to the game here for Tech? Well, I, you know, I just I, th- I think it'll be interesting, you know, because this is Lincoln's first time back here as the head coach. He was obviously back here as the offensive coordinator uh, two years ago. But you know, Dennis Simmons and Bill Biedenbaugh and you know guys like that were on Mike Leach's staff with Lincoln for years and years. And I think it's this is Ruffin McNeil's first trip back here. Oh, I think since he left, Forgot and, and about that Ruffin. that. Ang- yeah, and that angle is, is a unique one because obviously, you know, Ruffin joined the, the OU staff at the beginning of last year and obviously, as we know, two or three weeks ago was promoted mm-hmm. the defensive coordinator. And, you know, you, you obviously know that Lincoln went through that transition here in 2007 when Mike let go of Lyle Settensich and promoted Ruffin McNeil. And I think that that clearly in the back of his mind is he makes a move with Mike Stoops a couple of weeks ago and promotes Ruffin. And they, they've simplified things. Uh, Ruffin used to say to me all the time when he was here, he would he would talk about, you know, clear heads equal fast legs, and and all that means is we're not going to give these kids too much to think about. Let's just tell them to to put them in a good spot and tell them to play ball and keep it fairly simple, and let's just make sure they tackle well and all that. And that's kind of what you're seeing from that defense in the last uh, couple of weeks. So so that part is uh, just an interesting storyline there coming into this one. Uh, Chris Level's going to host uh, his coach's show. Cliff Kingsbury coming up uh, 6 o'clock when we get off. You just hop on over to 97.3 or just head down to Rudy's with uh, Cliff and Chris Level. We appreciate you, buddy. 
My man, I appreciate you having me on. Enjoy the uh, the night kickoff and the, the atmosphere on Saturday night. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Chris Level. Uh, we're going to hop over. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. My wife texting in, the kids can't find their Halloween candy. What did you do with it? I don't know, uh, Charity. Uh, Let's figure that out. Then make them do their homework, and then I'll be home. And uh, if their homework's done, then uh, candy can be consumed. That's uh, that random text there, other side of Texas. Stick right with us. Evan Silva coming up. What does he think about Mahomes? What does he think about Baker Mayfield from an NFL talent standpoint? And who is going to last longer in the league? We'll get into that in a little bit more. A special sports edition of your other side of Texas. Stay right where you are. Here with us now on the line, he is the uh, senior, let me get this right, the senior football editor at Roto World. Somebody who is unbelievable in an, as, as a football dork, I'm not nearly, I mean this with, with all due respect uh, to Evan Silva. Uh, not nearly the dork that he is, but he joins us for the first time. I think you'll enjoy him here. Evan Silva, how are you, friend? Jay, I'm doing really, really well, man. I take that uh, as a, a word of respect. Uh, definitely a football dork uh, through and through, and uh, we're right in the middle of the 2018 football season, and uh, we got a couple of you know Texas uh, guys who uh, played at Texas Tech, I guess, um, you know, Baker Mayfield finished his career at, at Oklahoma, uh, but began it at, at Texas Tech. And Patrick Mahomes, of course, finished his uh, career at Texas Tech. Uh, and, and these guys have been two of the, the brightest young quarterbacks in the NFL this year. One team, one one quarterback is playing for a winning team, and one quarterback is playing for a losing losing team. But I think that both of them have very bright futures. Wow, Evan Silva, we didn't drop. We picked out this dorky football music uh, from old NFL films. I hope that you aren't offended. That uh, I love it. I love it. Daniel needs to effort a little bit better whenever we do production. But it is part of NFL films. And let me just say, I know we want to jump into Baker and we want to jump into to Mahomes. Uh, and I do think I've, I'm really, I need the effort on figuring out what the ratings in Lubbock are now for uh, Kansas City Chief games because I'm sure that there are a lot of DirecTV Sunday ticket subscribers at this point when they aren't carried by CBS. But Evan, you have just gone stratospheric here at Evan Silva on Twitter. I've, I think I started following you like back in 2008 or something like that. And um, I think that that was like maybe like 150, maybe 250,000 Twitter followers ago. Um, that to say, I think a lot of people trust your analysis and what you see with athletes and with NFL athletes and you do specialize in fantasy football and we'll plug that here in a little bit but uh, i've been a long time adherent of yours what do you say about your success over these years i don't know i mean i just just try to work hard you know and try to do the best job that i possibly can do and um you know try to watch every game every week and you know know, know all the the vital information about uh, every player that uh, is you know relevant skill position players, but also n- knowing just uh, trying to learn every year more about the game of actual football, and um, you know covering the, the sport year round, not just covering it during the fantasy football season, but covering it 
all year round and learning about free agency and learning about the salary cap and, um, you know, just, just, just trying to work hard and do the best that I can do. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, I'll just throw this out for listeners. Since we got a fantasy football guy on, we're going to talk about Mahomes in Mayfield, but I'll offer you, I will take two good matchup questions if you don't mind, because if, if you go, if just go search Rotor world, Evan Silva and, Matchups. He writes a great matchup column every week, covers every game. And uh, for me, it's part of uh, my weekend prep. Uh, let's get into Mahomes and uh, Mayfield. Not only do you have Texas Tech this weekend versus OU, you have OU uh, Mayfield versus Texas Tech's Mahomes. What's that game look like to it, to you on its face? Uh, the Texas Tech Oklahoma game. No, no, the the no. Cleveland Browns oh, and the, the and right. the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm glad that you're not asking me about the Texas Tech Oklahoma <laughs> game because I'm not I'm not plugged in with college football. Yeah, we very just much right we now. just covered the ground there, but the Browns and Good. the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's a really really interesting game because uh, the Chiefs have this uh, incredible um, uh, home field advantage. And uh, it, it particularly applies to their defense. Like this season, they've allowed 33 points per game on the road, but only 18 and a half points per game uh, on the road. And this this trend actually extends back, and it hasn't been quite as stark. But over the previous three seasons, entering 2018, uh, the Chiefs had allowed seven more points per game on the road uh, than they have at home. So they really truly have. You know, I don't know if you've ever been to Arrowhead Stadium. I've been there. It is one of the most raucous uh, environments in pro football, and the home field advantage is real. So, And the Browns are coming off this situation where they just fired their head coach, just fired their offensive coordinator. Um, you know, So they are going through a lot of transition They right fired now. Haley? Yeah, they fired Todd Haley as well. They, they fired you, both of them. Hold on, you, you and I – have been griping about Haley for years, and whenever he was in Kansas City, remember what he did to Jamal Charles? Do you remember those days? Of probably, course I do. Probably better that he's gone, especially for Baker Mayfield. So it right. sounds like you think the Chiefs are just going to roll the Browns. No, I mean not necessarily. I think that you know what one thing that, that uh, a trend that occurs in the NFL is when you see a team fire their coach, oftentimes in the following game. Like, it's not just a, a, a downward slope after that. Sometimes they'll, the team will rise up and rally around their, their new head coach, their new their revised coaching staff. Um, and, again, they are catching this Chiefs team that is not as good on the road, at, at least defensively. Uh, so I think that the Browns will be able to score points uh, on the, the Chiefs' defense. It's just going to come down to are they going to be able to limit Patrick Mahomes because, you know, this is the, the highest-powered offense in the AFC uh, and what Patrick Mahomes has been doing is just, I mean, it, it's record-breaking. It is truly, truly record-breaking. And he entered a, an ideal situation, whereas Baker Mayfield entered this dysfunctional situation in Cleveland where, you know, the, the we knew that the, the coach was probably on the outs, and, you know, it finally happened uh, last week. Patrick Mahomes entered the perfect situation, didn't even have to play as a rookie, uh, got to uh, learn from Alex Smith, uh, did play in the Week 17 game, looked really good uh, against Denver, uh, and you know, was sort of eased into that, uh, that that starting quarterback job under a great coach in Andy Reid, uh, whereas Baker Mayfield has entered the, the total opposite situation. 
Uh, but I, I think this game is going to be closer than the, than the spread that, than people think. And I think that Baker Mayfield is going to be able to give uh, the, the Chiefs a run for their money uh, at home. Uh, uh, with uh, They've got some pretty good weapons, too, in Cleveland. David Njoku, um, Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway. The rookie had a good game last week. So I'm, I'm excited for the game. I think it's going to be high scoring, and I think it's going to be closer than people anticipate. Uh, do you know the spread off the top of your head? Uh, I want to say it's between 8 and 10 points. I think the last time that I checked uh, this morning, it was 8 points in favor of the Chiefs. Okay. Um, so let's talk about these guys going forward, Mayfield and Mahomes. Do they both have staying power? Five years from now, will we be seeing them produce like they're producing now? I, I think so. I think so. And I think that we'll, we'll continue to see an upward trajectory from both of them. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, the the um, the like the the dividing line, I think, for uh, you know, if you do, if you were just going to use one statistic to evaluate a quarterback, uh, the dividing line would be eight yards per attempt. And Patrick Mahomes has started nine games in the NFL, and he has been above eight yards per attempt in eight of those nine starts. Um, so that is, is a, a one heck of a way to begin your career. Uh, and, you know, by all accounts, I mean, he's a hardworking football junkie, you know, comes from an athletic family. His dad, of course, played uh, Major League Baseball for some, you know, 15 years. I remember having his Pat, old, uh, old Pat Mahomes, his dad, I remember having a bunch of his baseball cards. Um, so, I, you know, those are all, all like good indicators for Patrick Mahomes to have continued success. With Baker Mayfield, um, I think that, you know, this the, the Browns organization is definitely an obstacle that he is going to have to overcome. But just from a skill set standpoint, the thing that stands out to me about Baker Mayfield is um, that he is he consistently keeps his eyes downfield. You'll see a lot of quarterbacks who, you know, when the pass rush arrives, they start to drop their eyes and, you know, they're not even looking at receivers anymore and they, they're trying to, you know, just get out of trouble, just save themselves. But make, Baker Mayfield keeps his eyes down the football field uh, he's a, a naturally aggressive passer. He's, you know, above average in terms of athleticism. Um, and what the Browns need to do is just get the right people around him, and that's still a major work in pro- process for uh, an organization that has been, you know, the worst in the NFL for 10-plus years. Yeah, I, I never uh, understand, like, the big matchup in 16, Mayfield versus uh, Mahomes, OU versus Tech, and I, you know, there, it's a whole cultural thing here, and I understand disdain for Baker Mayfield because he can get a little. It's almost like an unlikable Johnny Manziel at times, like kind of like, yeah. kind of like the rich kid who wants to flaunt what he's got. I mean, Mayfield's got some of that, so but he seems to play up to that as well. But let me ask you this: we talk about Patrick Mahomes' father. Doesn't it just appear to you whenever he's in the pocket or even outside the pocket, he throws the football like it were a baseball, Evan? That's what it looks like to me. I mean, so far as how high the ball is released and how fast the ball is going. Yeah, and I think that another aspect of his game, well, he just has a great arm. You know, coming from being the son of a Major League Baseball pitcher, you know, he, he was blessed with a great, great arm and he trusts his arm and he's not necessarily like a quarterback like you know like Tom Brady who will just stand in the pocket and pick you apart play after play after play you know with with little throws to Julian Edelman and 
you know, dump offs to James White. Drew Brees is even kind of like that in New Orleans where he's very willing to take check downs. Um, but Patrick Mahomes is not necessarily like that. I think that if you were going to compare him in terms of just the, the style of play, uh, it would be more to Aaron Rodgers uh, where, you know, he is he's always looking downfield. He's, you know, one of the most aggressive passers in the NFL, and he is not looking to take those, those easy underneath uh, passes. Although I think that, you know, because Kareem Hunt opened the season not getting any targets. Kareem Hunt, of course, the running back for the Chiefs, was not used in the passing game at all uh, in the first, like, three or four games. And recently, they started to use him more in the passing game. I think that Andy Reid, being the, the true quarterback guru that he is, has started to encourage Patrick Mahomes to, hey, you know, take the easy play when you can. You know, because the running back passes are one of the most highest percentage plays in, in the NFL, uh, and you don't, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to take the sack. You'd rather dump the ball down to your running back than take a sack or throw the ball out of bounds. Uh, but that is a, a, an aspect of Patrick Mahomes' development and a sign that he is still getting better. Yeah, uh, Evan Silva, senior football editor at NBC's RotorWorld.com. I heard back to Mahomes in the staying power. This is something I get nervous about because – my football, my fantasy team is the J-Boys, and we took the Patrick Mahomes early in the draft, I think like the sixth or seventh round, because I thought Mahomes is going to be awesome. But uh, I worry about his staying power in that he can continue to produce like he's producing now because somebody who I know you enjoy and read is Mark Schlereth, a uh, former Bronco. Now he does various media roles. He once said, and I remember him saying this, NFL defenses are the fastest evolving organism on the earth. Can they figure Mahomes out in the next year or two? Can they slow this down? Yeah, that's that's a, a, a really good question. And we have seen quarterbacks over the years kind of be figured out by NFL defenses. You know, I think to some extent Robert Griffin might have fallen into that mm. category. Colin, Colin Kaepernick uh, might have fallen into that category. You know, um, but I think that with Patrick Mahomes, you know, like as opposed to with, with Robert Griffin and Colin Kaepernick, uh, he has not he's not a guy who really like benefits from, you know, a, a, a sort of a, a college style offense. They, they undoubtedly, um, you know, like like an option offense. You know, they do not use an option offense in Kansas City. They use, actually use a lot of college concepts, but they're passing game concepts. You know, Patrick Mahomes is although he is a very good athlete, you know, like running the ball is not a big part of their offense. And he is, you know, at, at his core, a pocket passer and a guy who can make things happen with his legs, but not necessarily a guy who is, you know, piling up a lot of yards with, with his legs and getting out there and taking hits, you know, because Colin Kaepernick dealt with injuries and Robert Griffin III dealt with injuries and, you know, certainly getting out there and taking a bunch of hits in the open field uh, did not help their, their propensity to get hurt. Uh, but I think that Patrick Mahomes is probably not going to get figured out because of how accurate he is, because of how hard of a worker he is, because running is not necessarily a huge element of his game, um, and just because of his whole demeanor and his whole mentality as a passer on the field, and, and, and just as a football player and as a guy. Yeah, Joe asking this, and I think it's intriguing, could Mahomes flourish – in another offense, let's say something happens, Andy Reid moves on. This is what I'm intuiting from the text. 
uh, Andy Reid moves on or something happens within the organization, you think Mahomes would be okay in just about any situation with a team that's uh, 500 or better? I'd say so. I mean, I think that that ability to win from the pocket and to win behind the line of scrimmage, like, translates uh, from scheme to scheme and makes you, you know, independent of scheme. Um, so, you know, I, again, I, I, he is not a Tom Brady or Drew Brees kind of, you know, pick you apart, um, you know, down after down. He's not going to have, you know, he's not going to break the, the NFL record for completion rate necessarily, you know. Uh, but he's, he just can, he can threaten air, every area on the football field. And that is a really special ability. And that is an ability that uh, has gotten Aaron Rodgers uh, to the point where he is. Uh, just you, you can put it anywhere you want because you have that special kind of arm talent. Okay. Um, Eric, is he a first or second uh, ballot Hall of Famer? <laughs> Who, Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we, we got a ways to go there. We, we got a ways to go. He's got to get fortunate, you know. Yeah. You, you still have to get he, – he, he has the Hall of Fame caliber talent. Like, I, I'm not afraid to say that. But, you know, you do have to get fortunate. You have to stay healthy in the NFL. It's, you know, maybe the, the second most violent sport that, that we have behind UFC. Yeah. Uh, two fantasy questions. I'll take my own first because I host this program. Is uh, is uh, is the freak Tyreek Hill going to be going this weekend? Or is my Sammy Watkins going to get fired up? Yeah, I'm not sure about Tyreek Hill uh, at this point. He was full practice on Wednesday. He was limited on Thursday. Hmm. And you don't like to see that downgrade. So we're going to have a better idea on Friday. My, my lean is that I think he'll play, but I don't want to say that definitively for Sammy. Yeah. For Sammy Watkins, you actually kind of want Tyreek Hill out there because uh, the Browns' number one cornerback, Denzel Ward, has been really good. Hmm. You want him on Tyreek Hill uh, so that Sammy Watkins doesn't have to deal with him. Okay. Well, I'm just going to put you on notice. The text you're going to get from me on Sunday morning is John Brown or uh, Sammy Watkins. Uh, Todd asking, Mixon or McCaffrey? We'll get you off with that one. Should you start Mixon yeah, I mean, or McCaffrey? Well, Joe Mixon is on his bye, so make sure that you don't start. <laughs> Todd, <Joe> you're done. <laughs> you're out. <laughs> uh, but, no, I think. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, obviously this week against the Buccaneers, one of the best running back plays on the board, uh, and his buy is already out of the way. Uh, so if, if this was a, a trade question, you know, just, just in case, um, I, I would rather have Christian McCaffrey the rest of the way than Joe, than Joe Mixon. How's your fantasy team doing, Evan? I mean, I've got a bunch of them, Jay. You okay. know, I, I, got, I, got a, I got a bunch of them. I'm doing pretty good. It's been one of my better fantasy years. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's been a very enjoyable season from – you know, scoring being up in the NFL to, um, you know, the all these young quarterbacks uh, ascending, including the ones that we discussed here today. Uh, it's been a really fun NFL season. I'm looking forward to the second half. How do your buddies who are not in this profession feel whenever they beat you in the league? Like, do you ever have a conversation where you say, hey, um, just stay away from social media with this, please? You know they they don't beat me, uh, so you know I can't I can't speak to that experience. But maybe the day will come uh, down the road. He is a, a first or second Hall of Famer, uh, Evan Silva. You can follow him along with me at Evan Silva. Check his work out there at RotoWorld.com. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you coming Thanks, on. Jay. I hope you'll come back soon. 
I'd love to. Thanks All so much, right. dude. Evan All Silva. Right. I love that dude. Oh, man, I like that guy. A whole lot. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, great insight there on Mahomes. He is really so great at talent evaluation is Evan Silva. Glad he got to jump in. Uh, we're going to jump in. Some great sponsors of the program. You like how we bring it to you straight and we give you the skinny? These are folks who stuck with us and been here from the beginning. Hope you'll go check them out and tell them, hey, uh, listen, to the other side of Texas, glad that you helped that program be on air. Stick right with us here about uh, 90, 100 seconds from now with some Robert Earl Keane to take you out. How about that, baby? Be right back. You know, it's something we're going to get into in the next week is the legislature's firing up. And if you've enjoyed what we've brought you so far as content, we're going to try to bring you the 86th legislature. The Texas legislature meets every other year, 140 days. We're going to try to bring it to you in kind of a 101 uh, basis, like an intro level, because it's something that, that affects everyone, but few people know about in, in the general public and you know I was at the a career fair today and you know I had kids I ask I'm asking I call them kids students and great students at tech uh, coming by inquiring about the program and how they could be a part of it as part of their education through internships and um <clears throat> asking what we focus well what we focus on here what we stick with our bread and butter is texas politics but we try to find a way to make it uh, entertaining of course and original and smart and funny and um, i got an email yesterday from a listener asking when john sharp on a cell phone is coming back on a parody i think you can expect that in the next few days and uh, also an email I've gotten during the show, where's Mike Stevens? He, he's a pollster. We'll call him the High Plains pollster. We're trying to get him on, back on on Friday or, or Monday. Uh, wasn't able to come on today, so we made it Mahomes versus Baker and OU versus Tech. But back to the point, uh, the Texas legislature in this part on, on the other side of Texas matters in a lot of ways but maybe in no greater role than public education and public education as it relates to independent school districts uh, all around lubbock the constellation of rural communities all throughout west texas and how how important the school districts are in the town socially culturally and economically and one thing that I get fired up about is the issue of vouchers, and I just want to lay, throw out some seed here, and we'll come back for it later. But on the issue of vouchers, what you're essentially asking for is for others to pay for the private education, and mostly, I think, for the in the proposals, and you hear it called school choice, to, to pay for uh, the education of more affluent kids in suburban outlaws uh, around the big uh, triangle cities of Houston and Austin and Dallas and that's where a lot of that money's going it would go if we pass vouchers and then the question becomes what do public tax dollars go towards uh, should they go towards uh, private schools where you know Wiccan or whether that be a, a 
sect of Christianity with which you disagree, or that be uh, uh, a school that's run by an imam, or, or whatever it might be. The question becomes, where is uh, separation of church and state so far as what we're investing dollars in? And lots of private schools don't want those dollars because they don't want to be held to standards that they were chartered and organized uh, to not be under the authority of in the first place. But Jimmy sent me this great thing, and I want to share it with you. Um, Jimmy, there's this this meme. It's not a meme. It's put up by Iowans Public Education, and we don't cover Iowa, but it uses this analogy. And I'll close out here with this. And we do have the last few minutes of the 86th legislature in the Senate where serious conversation, they call it mergers, but what they mean is consolidation of schools, that that should be a serious priority and topic of um, a special commission to look at how uh, public education shortfalls can be made up for. And my claim has been all this time that it's going to be made up for on the backs of rural communities. And I I do have to close out, so I'm not going to get on that. I'm going to go to this meme. And here's the analogy. I think you'll enjoy it. Quote, has a woman standing there smiling, arms crossed, and says, My husband and I have decided the local parks just aren't good enough for our kids. We'd rather use the country club, and we are hoping state tax dollars will pay for it. We are advocating for park park savings accounts, or PSAs. We promise to no longer use the the parks to hell with anyone else or the community as a whole. We want our tax dollars to be used to make the best choice for our family. And I think a good... A good analogy because they have been in text politics they have been called education um, savings accounts they go by all sorts of monikers but the problem is in texas i don't know what it is in iowa but it's written into the texas constitution a fair and equitable education for every texan and i was given a heck of an education there in abernathy texas i may from time to time not present the uh the level of that education and that's on my back not on Abernathy Independent School Districts but uh, just wanted to lay that out there um, park savings accounts and put those kids at the country club makes a lot of sense to me it may make a lot of sense to you hey you got stories you want us to look at Jay at other side of Texas check our stuff out other side of Texas.com go to Twitter at OSTX show you don't have a Twitter start one up follow us along and other side of texas there on facebook grateful that you guys hang out i'm grinning ear to ear i'm gonna get home gotta get home great family waiting for me above average dinner and i'm sure some hard end of week math homework with my nine-year-old boys i'm really looking forward to that i said in my politician voice i hope that you have a good evening that you've got an above average dinner, a great family to go home to as well. Until next time, rave on buddies. We'll see you right here again about 23 hours from here from now 
on the other side of Texas. It's who we want. 